I do want to make a big difference, but I want to find a right way to find big difference. And this is very important to me that, that somebody's not going to suffer on the expense of me getting it bigger. Welcome to the Plant-Based Entrepreneur Show with your host, Jerry Saber. Hey, welcome to episode three of the Plant-Based Entrepreneur Show. My name is Jerry Saver, and in this podcast, I'm talking to people who are showing us how we can make our future more sustainable by breaking away from our dependence on animal-based products. And that doesn't mean just food, of course, because there's so many different industries that are ripe for a plant-based disruption. And in this show, you get to meet the people who are doing this. So the topic for today is fashion, or maybe I should say mostly fashion, because knowing my guest, I would say her vision expands beyond that. She's Bianca Zwartz-Morris, the founder of BZ Echo Kit, BZ Echo Land, and BZ Designs, which won her the European Sustainable Entrepreneurship Award, and I'm really excited to be talking to her today about her fashion brand and her views on the green revolution that is happening right now. And most listeners don't know this, but Bianca and I actually come from the same country, Slovenia, although neither of us has spent much time living there. But it's great to be talking to someone from such a small place who's making such big changes. So Bianca, welcome to the show. Thank you. And hello to everybody. And I'm really honored to be here. And such a nice intro. I'm like, all I got all red. <laughs> You're really kind. Uh, well, it's, Thank you so much. It's Happy all to true. be talking to you. And it's, <laughs> it's really great to have you here because I, I was hoping I could get you in on one of the first episodes of the show because, well, I've known about you and your brand for a while. And I really think there's so much that you can share about being a sustainable, ethical entrepreneur. So um, here you are. And thank you for joining me. Thank uh, you, guys. Now, just... From knowing you online and following you on social media, you're probably one of the most passionate, outspoken people when it comes to veganism. And this goes yes. <laughs> way back for you, right? Because I remember you yes. mentioning in your TED talk that you were actually vegan before you were born. So can you share how that was? Well, uh, not really vegan. My mom was vegetarian, but while she was pregnant with me, she uh, could not stand eating anything from animals. It, nobody knows why. It was just complete coincidence. I mean, we have like a history in a family, like some of, part of my family was actually even farmers, um, you know, in the old good days of Yugoslavia, even hemp farmers. Um, and uh, I kind of maybe, you know, like caused this, my soul when it got into her, I don't even know how to describe this, but she basically like was vegan while she was pregnant. And when I was born, I was only like, she would told me like, I liked just raw milk, which is now illegal, as you know, uh, from the local farmer, basically from the neighbors in uh, Murska Sobota and um, bananas. That's all she ate. And then later I would eat that as a child. And it, it was really hilarious because everybody was worried for her in her pregnancy because she's kind of skinny, short, like tiny woman. And I'm actually 180 centimeters and now about like 64 kilos, which is like like heaviest I've been probably in my life, but I'm kind of, I feel great that way too. So um, yeah, it's, it's a funny story, but like, 
Yeah, like I ended up being vegetarian all of my life. And then when I was 17, um, I got a book for like a little bit before my uh, birthday from England from my friend, um, uh, A Diet for a New America. I don't know if you heard about this uh, book, but it was written in 1987. I didn't even understand perfectly English and what they're saying in there, but just reading and understanding what I could and going through pictures and statistics and everything in that book made me vegan through the night. And I didn't even know what vegan is because he doesn't mention anything being vegan or anything right in there. I just decided that I don't want to be part of this uh, torture and mess and, you know, and I felt like I don't need it. To start with, I was already vegetarian, so I just had to cut out like cheese and milk and so on, which was very hard, very hard. I'm, I know. I'm not denying. It's you. We're really addicted. Like it's like heroin, you know, this dairy stuff. So, and I remember, like, you know, it took me like maybe a week or two weeks, and then uh, the cheese was the last to go. Um, but I did it, and I felt really good and. Uh, I was kind of like a sickling while I was still a child, right? Like, you know, like teenager and so on. Uh, and then after that, like, I, I really, again, could be coincidence, could be that I just build up my immunity, but I haven't gotten really sick after that at all. Like, you know, like any kind of flus or something like that. It's, I have flus. I know that I have flu maybe like once every three years, but it's kind of like, you ju I just stand, you know, I just, I don't, nothing happens to me. I just feel bad, but I can work and I can do everything normally. Yeah, I, so. I, I don't think that's a coincidence because it, it, it happens to me as well. <laughs> I, I don't get sick oh, okay. nearly as much <laughs> since I've yeah. been vegan. Um, the only time I do get sick is when I push myself too hard. So if, if I'm not sleeping mm. enough, that's, yeah. that's when it See. gets me. But otherwise, Guilty yeah. here too for that. <laughs> Guilty here too. Sleeping is my the only bad thing that I do to myself because I don't sleep enough or I sleep in the wrong time. Like I'm a, more of a night owl. I've um, noticed. You know, <laughs> creative, creative night owl. But, you know, my mom says to me, like, oh, if you would sleep properly and eat so healthy as you eat, you know, you would look so much younger and so much more fresh. I said, like, already people, like, think that I'm, like, 10 years younger than I am, you know? I, they mistreat me almost, be, like, you know, I'm sometimes I get upset. Like, listen, I'm, like, on this planet for a while, and you're talking to me like I'm a kid, you know? So even more, you know, it would be a problem. Yeah. 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 So did, did you then grow up knowing that you wanted to do something that could change the world and help both animals and people if you were vegetarian your whole life? Was that an idea that you had from since you were little? Actually, I wanted to be a vet uh, when I was a child, yeah. when I was maybe like five, seven years old. I wanted to be a vet. And then everybody convinced me that I will have to like deal mostly with pigs and cows because in Slovenia, right? And and I had an idea that I want to help like a smaller animals and like, you know, like it's I thought of it like more romantic, like a spa for animals where you you um, uh, nurse them to health, you know, like, I don't know. I had totally different, except, you know, thing like going on in my head, what being a vet is. Um, but uh, later I changed that. Uh, because like I liked uh, arts, visual arts, 
and I was pretty good in like math and physics. So I found myself studying architecture, but I wanted to do sustainable, like uh, just, 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 um, you know, like independent houses out of natural materials. And I believe that was the reason why I went into architecture and why I, you know, and I, I was very successful. I did the schooling in Ljubljana fast, but the sad part was like, I felt like I can't change anything pretty fast, you know, like you need the team of people and, and your drawings turn out to be something completely else. And I'm pretty good. Like I'm very realistic person naturally, but, uh, I don't know, like I somehow expectations were again too high maybe and I ended up doing interior design, but I do sustainable interior design even with my furniture that you see in the background, for instance. So that, that's Everything yours? is like, yeah, this is, everything is fair trade. No, no, I didn't oh, make okay. it. You know, like I'm just talking like I chose it. I looked for furniture yeah. for apartment, for instance, two years because I wanted to be made in Europe. I wanted to be natural, toxin free. Um, I wanted to be handmade, preferably if possible, you know, if I could afford it, of course. Um, so like these things, like kind of like it expanded from my diet into um, way of life, like my home. And then I discovered, of course, cosmetics, detergent, everything, like slowly, you know, like once you start rolling, once you, once your eyes open up, they open up in every way. And after that, like I finished in New York City, I moved to New York City in 1999, uh, to completely uh, love, you know, never ever dreamt about moving to US or thought about it even. I always wanted to go to New Zealand and Australia because in Australia and Melbourne, I have like a big family and I ended up in New York City, (laughs) you know, completely on the other side of the planet. Um, And then I wanted to do the best out of it. And I went to study computer arts because my, again, I loved Pixar and animating animals. totally romantic again I thought like I'm gonna animal you know animate little animals talk how they talk and so on and I'm like obsessed with movies where it's actually a real animal talks you know (laughs) like totally like and I love movies like now pets did you you watch Jungle Book yes love it yeah this this is what i'm talking about right this is what i wanted to do that's why i went into computer arts and was hard it's it's a hard you know school actually and it's like one of the best on the planet for that Uh, all of my school friends went to pixar and so on but uh, instead of like one once i noticed i mean we're talking about 2003 2005 and technology in that direction was not like so good as now and I would end up basically drawing in Maya uh, a arm for an animal or something animated for months, you know? Yeah, that, that's <laughs> what like, it boils down to. Oh, exactly. And I was like, that is not what I want to do in my life. So, um, but my, uh, like, uh, one of my teachers, she she really loved my, like, I, I liked also doing web design. I would, like, this was my hobby for a while, and I self-taught myself how to do web design and flash animation and things like that. And she saw a talent, and she said, like, why don't you do this? Like, I have, like, this company, Scholastic, and they need um, interface designer, and I think you would be really good at that. 
And this is how my career then started in advertising in New York City. And I started as a designer and then I continue and became art director, interactive director, creative director and, and worked really long hours. I was like a workaholic, as you probably assume, as most of our Slovene people are. We want to prove that we really can do impossible things. Uh, but the financial crisis came first in New York City and then in Europe. And I had a phone call from one of my relatives. I spoke to her on the phone and she worked in textile industry, uh, textile factory Mura in yeah, Muska Sobota. Yeah, yeah. And she lost her job. And she told me what's going on over there. And that 4,000 people basically were left without job after, you know, in the 15,000 people uh, city or town. And she asked me, come on, Bianca, like, think of something, figure out something. And I already was thinking about, like, that was about 2009. Um, I was drawing these little figures and, you know, these little characters, animals, of course, mostly, because I was already vegan and I really loved just, this was my, like, my hobby beside doing the advertising. Um, and this is how the story started. Like, I just said, okay, like, what can I do? that I'm going to be passionate and that it's going to include all my talents, all my experience, all my passions in one. So was and that that was the answer. Yeah. W yes. Was, this was brand. that the first time that you actually thought about fashion design mm -hmm. or was it yes. present before first that time. as well? First time. First time. Okay. I, I was never interested in fashion design in my life. Never. Yeah. Like, you know, but I think of it like architecture, right? You're like putting a, uh, some kind of form on the body, right? Like I'm, I think more, a little bit more scientific maybe or something. And, but from my life, I was very passionate about it in everyday life. I didn't even notice it like, right? I always like clothes. And my grandma, uh, from my mom's mom, she she was the, one of the most wanted tailors. She was traveling all over Austria, Germany, Hungary, Slovenia, Croatia. And they were doing like with her husband, so my grandfather, tailored suits. Okay, amazing so, stuff. So, you so know? there is some fashion background in in your family. There is some fashion background in the family, but like I never thought of it, right? Like I I like fashion. I wish I would pay attention to it like more, you know, professionally before. But it was just like something that I was passionate about, like just by the way. Yeah. So and and, and of course. <laughs> It's it's not just fashion that drives busy eco designs. It's it's something a lot no. deeper, like like you just showed. So, what are those yeah. core values that you wanted to put in there when you were setting up this business? What what did you that, want to build it on? Well, to me, it was very important. If I'm going to do it, just let's do it right and pure, which is very hard. Like that's why commercially is not so successful, right? Because like if you want to be pure and if you don't want to be greedy and if you want to be all this, what I'm going to tell you, what I want it to be, it's impossible to make profit. So one thing was helping others. I love helping others and core of my happiness is basically helping others. I discovered that really like long time ago. You know, and that was before it was animals, but now it turned out to be like single moms with kids. So I want it to be fair trade because I don't want to abuse, I don't want to use no human slavery in Asia or something like that, which puts 
higher price on it immediately. And I wanted to help these people in Slovenia, which is single moms with kids. Yeah, and um, if I who can lost just, jobs in Mura. Yeah, if we right? can just put a in little bit of background on that. Uh, Mura was mm -hmm. a very successful textile fashion company in, um, in the eastern part of Slovenia. And yes. after the transition from, from Yugoslavia into our own um, brand of capitalism, it was just one of the many companies that got sold off and torn apart by the new greedy owners. That's basically in a nutshell. And, exactly. And exactly. a lot of people lost their jobs in that. So you're, you're yeah. from that part of the country as well. Mm -hmm. And, and exactly. that's where you wanted to step in and, and help those people. Yeah, and sadly, I couldn't help everybody because this was not my field. Even I was not even, you know, I don't even understand this this business at all. So I had to learn everything about it, you know, how it works and and find materials, which mostly come now from Spain and London, which is unfortunate because UK is leaving um, European Union, which is going to be big trouble for me and my girls. And, and you know, I still do advertising right but this is like kind of like my hobby and this is like kind of like me trying to help this planet to be a better place beside veganism and everything else i do so regarding the points what i wanted to be so fair trade locally as much as possibly locally in europe made uh ethical also in other ways so vegan we're certified PETA certified i got that they check on us and so on so i got certified PETA um thing then um, uh, I wanted to be social, low profit, uh, because I felt like I'm not an expert in fashion, so I'm doing this for them. And I don't want to be like here, like putting high prices on this. I want it to be affordable also for some Slovene people who are, as you know, not that, you know, wealthy in general, uh, struggling right now, as you know, economy and everything. And... I I want it to be also something that is like practical. I'm very practical, even about the clothing. Like I don't like fashion for fashion, you know, like extreme, you know, edgy stuff or extreme mm -hmm. that. And so that's why our clothes are basically for for gym, for work, for free time, for walking dogs, if you want to say it. And then I added like It was growing very organically, right? Whatever I needed, if I needed a seat or a bed for my dogs, like I created that, you right? You created it. Yeah, exactly. And I ask local people, like for instance, we have uh, beds filled with like um, buckwheat uh, scales. I don't know how, how you say that exactly in, in English or and hemp wool. Like basically it's from the hemp, mm -hmm. you know, and everything is from our hometown. And then we use uh, organic corn leaves, like, and they create like, like little slippers pus. out yeah, of it. Yeah, and yeah. Exactly. You know, it's like Central European tradition for like thousand years. So I'm trying to put everything that was also forgotten somehow into this project. Like I can't do much, but I try to do my best to help whoever I can. And when I discover something really good that was forgotten in the past, 
I try to reinvent it, right? So our pillows, the filling of the pillows are also scales of uh, oats or uh, buckwheat. And then it's covered with organic cotton and not only organic, but it's also fair trade. And most of our stuff is also um, natural colors, uh, 100% natural colors for kids. And then I added like some black, gray and other fashionable colors, but they're also tested for all these very extremely uh, toxic chemicals because you can have organic, high quality organic cotton or bamboo or hemp, but then you color it with something that is completely <laughs> bad and, and you ruin the whole you've purpose You've lost of all it. the benefits, yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, exactly. So all these things were very important to me. Social aspect, uh, health aspect, ethical aspect, you know, not only animals, but also people um, and, uh, and all, you know, it's it's not easy to do this. You know, it, it took me really a lot of energy and a lot of time to do it. And then a lot of people don't understand it. They just see design, right? And the story is kind of like forgotten. Yeah. Uh, so, so I really, like, you know how to market it. I write because I don't have the budget for marketing. I basically write like semi-scientific uh, articles and then hopefully somebody publishes it or you know and then when we got awards and then another award another word we had like four awards um, so far all international of course Slovenia sadly doesn't give me anything <laughs> well kind of um, behind the times there but it's it's catching yeah. up it's catching up yeah it's, it's but in small country you know like it's it's uh, it, it's kind of like I don't even blame people there, you know. And also, it's hard life over there economically for people. So I'm just, I'm just more like looking at the world as a whole, as our market, if you want to call it a market. Yeah, it's, of course. I cause... feel like it's a family. You know, everybody who comes to us, everybody who's our client, and they basically become friends, family, and they stay with us for years, or they kind of like are with us for a year and then they go somewhere else and try something else and then they come back. I had a lot of that too, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, and I'm getting better, you know, like I'm a better designer, I'm better, you know, um, at finding sustainable fabrics and, you know, doing things. So also with time, like, you know, you get better when of you're doing you do. things like but, that. And yeah. You, you started this, uh, were you still in the States where, when you started this or have you already, yes. have you already moved to, because right now you, you moved to Germany a couple of years ago, yes. right? I, yeah, actually a little bit longer. Now it's like six years, uh, but I'm off and on. I go a little bit to Slovenia and then a little bit around and then come back. Um, yeah, because of my husband's job, we moved here. But I started thinking about it and I registered the actual brand name in New York City. Um, but I didn't know like if something's going to happen with that at that point. Yeah. But it's registered, you know, it's official name that I own. Uh, it's, I don't even know how to call it because it's not my job or business really. It's more like my project that, and hobby that I do. Um, and it took over a lot of my time. So, you know, yeah, when, and when I love doing it. When you're passionate about something, it does tend to do doesn't that. matter. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't matter what's going on. Why are you doing it? It's just like you're just pushing it. But, and I just really enjoy doing it. And yeah. I'm creating, you know, my own clothes, right, for every season. I don't go to shop. 
you, you just make, make your own <laughs> yeah exactly but, uh, speaking yeah. speaking of you know europe and the states do, do you see big differences mm -hmm. between the american and the european culture in terms of how yes. accepting they are of businesses like yours or how easy or how hard it is to to build them yes uh, america is much more open to innovation and new things and fresh things europe is very at least maybe I can tell you more for Germany, right? Because that's where I am. It's more about Sicherheit. So oh, yes. safety, safety, right? And something that worked before, they don't like new fresh. It takes them a long time to warm up for something or they need somebody to confirm that for them who's mm -hmm. very strong and very small, you know? So I've been on my own and it's been tough. Like I, I for me also, I understand very well American market, I kind of understand Slovene market, which is probably the hardest on the planet. <laughs> but with with Germans, like we have private people who really like our items and our, our clients and they're fantastic. But like when I go to shops, they're very, um, they love it and everything. But then when I say it's company from Slovenia that is registered in Slovenia and is done in Slovenia, the doors kind of like on their faces, you know, you they're shot. Like, you know, they're a little bit kind of like very protective of their economy and they're protective mm -hmm. of German companies and they don't let smaller companies probably come in. I, I really had like very like unpleasant experience regarding that and I kind of gave up, you know, I didn't even bother anymore. Um, and I'm just focusing on, you know, like spreading the message, uh, doing my thing and whoever wants this can find us you know and and people do find us like from random places from uh i can tell you from from peru to australia to new zealand to england paris i mean dubai i you know uh, south africa even and i'm just amazed that you know people come from all over the place to us uh, while I, I have a really hard time, for instance, pitching this project to, to German shops, right? Somebody to take us in. And I'm not saying that the whole shop should be us. I just want like little piece, you know, that yeah. maybe they put in our goodies be between other goodies. And there's tons and tons of these shops now, you know, like seven years ago, nobody was out there. And now there's really this market is becoming big the, and, and it's filled up. But we're still, believe it or not, we're still super unique. There's n almost nobody, like no company or no brand, like so pure, right? That would have all these elements in there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been tough. It's been tough, but you know, I'm not giving up. I'm, and my girls are living off of it. It's basically three women with a lot of a lot more kids, right? <laughs> um, in Slovenia, and we're not giving up. We're working hard. I'm very excited about this and, and I'll be keep on doing it. Even if it's like at the end, like I'm doing it for myself, you know, I, I, I uh, don't which is think so, because I mean, that's just, not the case, though, just, just <laughs> yes. the way you're describing it. Um, you you'd probably agree that the attitudes of people towards sustainable fashion, they, they are it's changing. changing. You, you've probably seen the changes better. in the five, yes. six years since you started this, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Since 2010, big changes and to better. Uh, but also very much a lot of like, you know, um, a lot of companies like that, that are calling themselves sustainable, but they're not at all. And this is what bothers me that like some, some people are kind of abusing this word, right? 
even even uh, vegan not so much but they do fair trade and uh, organic and and sustainable right they they really use that in a weird way mm-hmm. and to get attention and to get people um, but then when you actually go and I look what they're, you know, like materials and what they're actually doing, you see maybe material is organic, but then nothing is said about the colors or everything's okay. But then you see it's made in Bangladesh or Indonesia or somewhere in Asia. And then you wonder, okay, well, you know what, why am I, you know, why am I even interested in that then? Speaking, you know, like a, Speaking of which, did, did you happen to watch the documentary True Cost by, by Andrew Morgan? Yes. Did you catch of course, it? What, of course. What did you think yes. of it? Uh, I, I think it was genius, you know, like um, very heartbreaking. Like I, to me, it's it's like I did my own research right before I even started really this this project. And I was in shock that there is really some human slavery going on in Asia, in textile industry, and also meat and dairy industry. You probably know about yeah, that too, right? But but in, in textile industries, even more women, right? Women, kids, uh, that, and it's very secretive. It's very hidden from our eyes. Uh, big profits are being made. Um, and I did notice that like bigger companies, corporations like H&M and some other Zara, for instance, are trying to fix a little bit this whole thing, but they also see that then the profits are not so big. So they, you know, they have like a little bit more sustainable, ethical clothing, but then most of it is not still. Um, they're just like tapping this market and taking away from the smaller companies that actually are ethical and are healthy. You know, and th- this is something that I'm a little bit upset about. Uh, documentary in general was uh, great, sad, reality hurts. But, you know, it's the same as Cowspiracy or Forks Over Knives. When you actually first time see it, it's, you know, to to see this, it's to kind of a shock. To actually see it. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah, to actually see it, but right? You, you know what I was thinking about, um, especially since you mentioned Cowspiracy and, and all those movies? I think in terms of food production and in terms of how we exploit animals, we've known for a while what's been going on and there's so much mm-hmm. information, so many movies out there sure. explaining this. But the clothing industry and especially the, <laughs> no worries about that, especially the fast fashion, it's, it's like some things are only now coming to light. And yeah. m- maybe it's because it hasn't been going on for quite so long as, as the food industry. Maybe it's because mm. the big companies are keeping a tight lid on it. But I think it really needs to be talked about as well. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and it's 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 a big industry. And, and another part of this, it's like materials, right? Like I'm also about natural materials with our brand. And people tell me, oh, what about now recycling and, and all this stuff? I would love to recycle, but it's so unrealistic because all of these clothes end up somewhere and there's like so much garbage, you know? Uh, this fast fashion also is creating more and more ga- garbage. You know, and and most of these materials are made out of like polyester and some plastic mixes and who knows what. And like reusing this, it's almost it's hard. Yeah, in, yeah it's very hard. And then like, what kind of colors you're gonna use? 
right? First, you have to bleach it very aggressively. If you want to get like some kind of a white surface, semi-white, I don't know. And then you have to put these colors on. And what is going to catch on this semi-plastic, you know, artificial materials? Um, it's, it's very complex, this uh, recycling thing, because I would even be very open. I tried with recycling, but then I found out that it's pretty much a dead lane, you know. Yeah, um, you, you, w- you need to be thinking about it from the start. Yes, no. that if people would buy natural materials, first of all, they're degradable, right? We wouldn't have like this. They're healthier in general. They're much more pleasant. And it, then it go, goes also to this concept, right? How much do you need, right? Do you really need to buy every season, I don't know, 20 pieces of clothing? Why don't buy like something that is higher quality, healthy for you? Think about it, right? A little bit and buy three pieces only. And then maybe with time, even less. Um, and I'm guilty, you know, like I, I remember being a teenager and uh, H&M came out in Austria, in Graz. Yeah. Um, and I remember going there, but it was completely different than now. Actually, it was made made in Sweden. It was written on it, you know, and it was beautiful. Like the quality was really, really good. And then I don't know what happened. Somebody at the company probably figured out, okay, we can make a lot of money. We just keep cool design, but everything else, you know, whatever. Uh, and I don't know what happened with the company, but I wish they would go back to that. But then, of course, it wouldn't be such a huge corporate yeah, company. R- yeah. r- right now, right now, it's it's the profits. And like you mentioned, mm-hmm. H&M, all these big brands, they... They're currently all about pushing the prices down and pretty much they're bringing out a new line every single week. I can't keep up with that at all, of no, course. That, you know? And, and, and like, I, I don't think you should. And and I don't think anybody should because it's just crazy that you would need new clothes for each season. I, I feel like, you know, uh, oh, uh, my cousin's daughter, she's like maybe 14, 15. I mean, she says to me, Oh, you know, my school friends, they just, you know, wear stuff for like a couple of weeks and then they throw it away. I'm like, what do you mean you throw it away? They don't even give it to somebody else or whatever or save it for maybe some other time. No, it's it's kind of like a one time thing. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I, I think that's that's a thing with um, with us who maybe we grew up in in a country, in a culture where we didn't really have access to all these big brands and and malls and that Mm -hmm. on the one hand Mm -hmm. it made us more susceptible to like you mentioned yes h&m the first time you saw it i remember the first time those brands started coming to our town everyone was going crazy but then on the Mm -hmm. other hand you still have that it's not exactly scarcity mindset but it's just making the most of of what you have and passing clothes on and not just throwing them out after after a couple months so even though it didn't quite prepare us for for the capitalist system it still Mm -hmm. gave us a good foundation for for making something a bit more sustainable yes so true and you know in in i remember that like we in ex-yugoslavia and in slovenia Everything was more locally made, you know, people were helping each other. There was no jealousy. There was no crime almost. We didn't even know crime, if you remember. Like, I don't it know. Was like definitely every, lower, yeah. 
yeah, it's and and things like that. And there was negative sides to it, maybe, but because nobody was rich and nobody was super poor. Uh, but I like the concept of that a little bit more to apply to capitalism. You know, I'm very pro social capitalism, and. Uh, that's why I live in Europe, not in U.S. anymore, because I feel, you know, when you're in New York, you can have like billions, but you step outside and you see these poor people in front of you, like sleeping on the streets. And I'm not talking only about homeless people, but you see in general people struggling and living so hard. To me, it just ruins the whole pleasure. Like you can give me billions. What I'm going to do with this when other people are living right next to me like so bad yeah that, the, the gap is you know i can't be bigger. happy you know yeah i can't be happy if i'm seeing suffering i can't be happy even if i'm personally not affected by it and this is something that probably like was part of this uh, social upbringing in in ex-yugoslavia that we were more we were more thinking about everybody you know not just me 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 um and, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with this me, me, me. And like, you know, I think it brings innovation and competition and certain things that, you know, it was hard. But um, at the same time, like, I really would love in, you know, that first world, first world countries and third world countries, that wouldn't be such a big difference. Right, that you could go to Africa and you wouldn't see in Nigeria or like uh, Tanzania, kids starving on the street, you know? And this goes back to the vegan movement, right? That we want to basically help them by not taking their grains and their foods and giving it to farm animals that we want to feed them. This goes to that too, right? But but everything, you know, like, I, I for instance, I see on Facebook, like t today there was like a picture of like a woman who's like, super overweight and she said she wants to be super duper overweight so she can't move for attention and i'm thinking are you aware how many people are starving on this planet that have no attention basically dying dying in front of your eyes and you can't do anything because you are you have to be into this filling yourself with dead bodies and flesh and so on and you're, I just don't understand this, you know, and th that's something that um, it's, I thought like maybe with age, I will be more numb about these things, but I became even more sensitive. And daily I see things that I don't want to see, you know, even on the streets, you see like how some women are treating their children. And I'm wondering, what about those women who can have children when they see this? What does it feel like? Right. C certain things. I don't know why is this happening to me, but I feel like it's like I'm opening up to, you know, all this pain and suffering on the planet. And it's sometimes it's very tough because when you know the truth and when you feel and when you understand and you want to be a good person, that's where you notice that your life is hard for no reason. Because like I I'm not missing anything. I'm, you know, I consider myself right now basically white privileged woman. <laughs> I have home, I have great home, I have great love in my life. I have my parents, everybody's healthy. Everybody's vegan in my family, believe it or not. Awesome. Even my parents. Yeah, my dad after 35 years of being very silly about the whole vegetarian vegan, he actually now eats mostly vegan food <laughs> with my mom. So, um, 
my mom is very vegan. She actually, after menopause problems, I advised her to do that and it helped her. Uh, she's extremely healthy now, lost some weight and so on. Like maybe 10 years ago that happened. And then my husband, who's uh, from Boston, American, who used to eat meat, like he would eat like in the morning, he would eat like five eggs and in the evening, like a half of a chicken. Uh, extreme, right? And he's now very passionate, almost six years vegan as well. So, and most of my friends too. So you, and I, I'm not like you, <laughs> I'm not you vegan are making racist. changes. You know, it's <laughs> and it's not. I, I don't think it's just your family and your friends. You're making changes in in your business as well. So, well, I'm yeah. loud on social networks as well, and very passionate about this because I believe we are right. To be honest, because I believe that this is the future. Um, James Oliver, you know, the cook from UK, Jamie. I recently, Jamie, Jamie. Oliver, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm always like mixing up. I don't follow these famous cooks and stuff like that because they make me angry. <laughs> but he actually uh, did an interview with Timmy V. Um, it's, uh, it's another vegan. And he said that he believes and he knows that veganism is the future of humanity, that he's also going in that direction. He's that definitely he lost moving 16. in that direction, yeah. Yes, exactly. And if you see like these very commercially successful people seeing potential in this and seeing that this is our answer to a solution to a lot of problems, then you know that we got something going. Yeah, right? we're, we're, I think we're on the right side of history here with, with what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm so convinced, you know, and this was like when I was 17, like reading and going through that book, it was something in my guts. It was not it was not my brain telling me this. It was more heart and guts, you know, because you see the suffering and you're kind of like, this is just I, I don't want to be part of this. This is insane. Why? You know? And another thing that I always thought of, thought about regarding going vegan and staying vegan, what always keeps me, right? Because for 25 years almost I've been vegan. It's like I don't feel like I could kill any animal myself with my bare hands or with, you know, anything or tools. I, I just don't see it. I can't do it, you know. I will probably freaking kill myself before I kill somebody, you know. It's so hard, you know, it's so hard. I value all life so much that, you know, paying somebody to do it for me, it's so cowardice. It's so, yeah, I'm almost like then appreciating more hunters that catch and eat, you know, than, you know, these people that just go into a big grocery shop and they get in plastic packed pieces of somebody's flesh, right? I almost then, you know, because if you can kill it, okay, you eat it. But if you can't kill it, if you can't do it yourself and you're not doing it yourself, Please stay away from it, at least most of the time, if you can't do it completely without it, right? So we're not so extremists. So we're not so extremists. Yeah. So we don't scare other people who are not vegan on their show. <laughs> but, you know, luck luckily, even in the food industry and in the way we perceive food, values are slowly changing. And, mm. you know, slowly, sometimes at a glacial pace, because the biggest changes might be that we are moving from caged eggs to to cage free and and free range but people yeah. are slowly opening up their eyes to to realities and the mm -hmm. large brands in in the food industry the brands that could not be called ethical by a long shot 
they're realizing that the consumer values are changing and they are reacting yep. to that. They're bringing out more plant-based products. They are investing in companies. They're actually buying companies that serve this market. Do you think something like that might happen in the fashion industry as well in, in the future? Well, hopefully it's up to young people, you know, but if you look at the how surface everything and most of the young people are, I'm, I'm afraid that that might not be, it might be slow process or it might not happen at all, you know. Uh, I think it's more like sustainable fashion is more interested in to educated kind of um, uh, aware of all these problems people you know and and yes it's spreading more into public but so slow it's you know um another thing i have to tell you that uh yeah i'm very optimistic about first world countries right west right for instance america europe australia but then you look at the china india and I think we're losing the battle there, right? Because they more want to be like us and traditionally even vegan, vegetarian communities are turning into like, oh, you know what? We should eat meat because that's what rich people do in the West and developed countries. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but like this is something that really I find disturbing. And, you know, you can see in China, these big dairy farms, humongous yeah. dairy farms. And... And it's scary. And then also, like in India, leather industry, all that stuff, you know, um, that that just scares me. That and also fur, you know, like it used to be like in Asia, nobody was wearing fur, but somehow now it became like luxury to have fur and and uh, crocodile and snake skins and stuff like that. I find disturbing, and I feel like okay, maybe we're gaining numbers and we're changing things to better in the West. And, and, uh, but then if you look at the East or you look at India, Asia in general, you see that we're losing battle almost, you yeah, know, I, like it's going backwards. Some, sometimes it seems to me like developing countries, just like you said, they are following in, in our footsteps. And I, I think the main thing there is to figure out how we can help them skip some of the curves and some of the paths right. that, that we took that weren't right and yes. just show them a shortcut to get yeah. to where we are right now so we're not repeating all the same mistakes and i have to say that um, china i think the latest nutritional guidelines that they brought out they're wanting to mm -hmm. cut down on the meat consumption by half in their country okay, good. so yeah um <laughs> good I think I'm that, not aware of yeah, it, but they're, they're I, I'm going to check it out. out faster than we did, thankfully. Okay, hopefully, hopefully they're learning from the mistakes. I mean, uh, I, but you know, like in Europe, I feel in Germany, being vegan is quite okay. You know, like you don't get any discrimination or like negativity or weird looks if you say you're vegan. But in America, uh, New York City, big cities, university centers fantastic but then i would go to like smaller towns in the midwest or something like that it's like basically if you if you're atheist and vegan you're like devil literally you know they just they're just scared of you scared of you they're not gonna even talk to you what do you mean what do you mean you're not dead yet i'm like no i'm not dead yet i'm 25 years almost here <laughs> i mean you know it's it's crazy right that they they look at you 
and and <laughs> I, I joke around that going vegan is something like losing a virginity. You know, you can't tell how it is to have sex until you actually have sex. The same is with going vegan. Until you're not vegan, you can't say anything how it is and what's going on and <laughs> you know how it feels. You can try feels, to so. explain it to people, but they, they just have to experience it for, exactly. for themselves, right? Exactly. It's a major difference, right? Like yeah. just reality is something where you should tap into it and try it out. And and I always say to a lot of people, you know, like uh, most of my friends went vegan, most of them because of me or because of something they've seen that I shared on Facebook or Pinterest or Instagram, whatever. But, um, you know, I say to them, do little steps, right? Do little steps. Uh, you don't have to like go cold turkey vegan, try, you know, eliminating meat a couple of days a week and then the whole week or maybe once per me- once per month only or just do it socially uh, because I know socially is a little bit hard still to a lot of people, you know, yeah. who don't live in the big cities um, and, you know, slow steps, slow steps, right? That, yeah. that will help, you know. What about, what, what would you tell people who are wanting to do what you are doing like build a sustainable fashion brand what what advice would you give them Ooh, get ready for a ride i mean if if you want if you, your focus is profit in my my case my focus is not profit it's making me happy and making p- other people happy and making their lives better but if your focus is profit you have to make certain sacrifices in the purity and ethics and and healthiness of these products. And you got to think what is to you the most important and what you can, you know, ignore a little bit until you maybe gather some money and then add like additional thing. Um, But a lot of research, try and find uh, materials from good resources and transparent businesses because to me, that was the hardest to find. Um, in Asia, there's a lot of like organic cotton, bamboo and so on suppliers. Um, but I found out that they're very low quality. If I compare it to African organic cotton, if I compare it to what I'm getting in Spain, where they grow and actually do everything right from zero and, and even Turkey, it's much higher quality. So, you know, but if you have to make a compromise and maybe you have connections in Asia, maybe you could find somebody who's good. Like, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, awarded Indian companies who are free trade and really ethical and healthy. And um, some of them actually supply also my suppliers in London. And I work with everybody who has like really good transparency and credentials. And I do it basically like, I go there and talk to these people and see the production and see how things are going and being done. This is the only way that you can pretty much say, okay, now I understand. I trust these people. I've seen how it's done, you know, and you dig into the truth and make certain compromises. Like I said about the profitability, because I'm lucky because I have other businesses that I do and can survive from that. But, you know, it's, it's tough. Um, and being pioneer in the field, I can tell you things are happening. Things are going to to better. Like you know, there's more attention to these topics, but there's still a lot of work to be done. And my friend in Milan told me, design, design, design. 
you know, she she told me like uh, she's uh, she's the owner of really big sustainable uh, fabrics suppliers. Like it's basically a company that has connection with all the suppliers of sustainable materials, and in Milan. And she told me like design is the most important part, and then the story and everything else it just adds on the price, and how you structure the prices you really have to understand how much you spend and how much you want to make and in order to make this sustainable. For me, why is it so st- still sustainable even if the business itself is low profit, you know, in social? Because I don't buy clothes, any other clothes. I basically make my own clothes and my clothes, we take photos with them. And that's like basically investment. Like instead of going to shop, I do my own clothes. We take pictures of them. I put them yeah, you, online. You model actually, for your own you brand know? as well, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes, a little bit. Th- that just happens when everybody else leaves me or they don't have time or something like that. It happens, believe it or not. Or they they are sick. It happened once that my model was sick and I had scheduled already with the photographer and everything's ready and, you know, I have to pay them and they expect me to deliver. So then, then I jumped in to do photo shoots here and then I do it. Yeah, just um, and also to get some nice photos for some other things that I need them for, you know, for, for Facebook profile picture, for instance. <laughs> but what about, it's, it's silly, but yeah. What about, you know, partners and potential investors do you, do you find that's a lot harder to to attract or to connect with people who would share the same values as as you do and there's in not a lot of people business? right yeah yeah there's not a lot of people who are in this business and there's you know and then again you we're talking about profit all the investors want to see profit um and if you're doing something that is like more low profit you know, it's very hard to fit in these percentages. I did have an investor from London uh, in 2013. It was a lot of money. We were talking about a lot of money, but his main problem was why is this made in Europe? Because, you know, in Bangladesh, a woman, a seamstress, you know, or sawing person, uh, they get like as low as 33 cents per day. You know, and they work 14 to 16 hours. And in Slovenia, that is 12 euros per hour, you know, beside the social and everything yeah. which you got to pay to government. Of course. Taxes. Yes. So that is heavy duty difference. And I understand why they didn't want to, you know, they didn't see a potential in what I'm doing. Uh, for profit because it's it's not right i would have to compromise like i told you if you want profit you got to compromise on something or put your prices so high up that are going to be just available to you know they're going to be in a luxury items section right which which is also not fair yeah it's it's definitely not fair but you know hopefully the fashion industry is kind of just trailing behind the food industry because you know that in that field there is a lot of money being poured into companies, into startups that mm-hmm. are pushing yes. us outside of the box and just coming right. up with plant-based everything. So you now hopefully that yeah. that change happens in in the field of clothing as well. 
Yeah, to be honest to you, I tried, I thought about it a little bit uh, exposing myself uh, and, and try and make some funding like, you know, the like startup funding online. Like a crowdfunding um, campaign or? Exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, like maybe I come up with certain line that is a little bit different than before and then maybe get some investment to actually execute that line and ship it to the people who supported the whole process. That that's definitely out there. Um, my my problem, other problem is it's I do everything. <laughs> you know, I design everything. I navigate the orders of the materials. I communicate with clients. I do the website. I do all the updates on the website. I do the social network stuff as much as I can. Right. And beside my other job, it's a little bit too much of everything. So I'm more looking for a partner, somebody who would be as passionate as me and have similar situation that this would be maybe a hobby. And then maybe we push it into more, you know, more real serious business and profitable business. Um, I haven't found that person yet but my mom is helping me a lot you know a lot of people are helping my husband is helping he's helping by ordering like stuff for himself <laughs> you know like <laughs> underwear for mail you know yeah. and and t-shirts and we make a lot of his undershirts for the office and uh underwear because yeah. this is very crucial I, right I, pajama i was, I was actually surprised um when, when i checked your website because I, I knew that basically you, you started out with kids clothing mm -hmm. and maybe I hadn't seen it for, for a while. And then when I was going through your lines, you, you have everything like you, you have kids clothing, you have mm -hmm. women clothing, men clothing, dog stuff, yeah. toys, mm -hmm. you know, everything it's from cats, <laughs> dress suits to, to underwear. Yeah. Yeah, toys are more like de decorative elements, I would say, to your house, because what we do, um, we don't have really garbage, per se. You know, why toys started becoming reality? Because um, we had like a little pieces of fabric left over from making suits, making this and whatever. And then I took... I said, like, what are we going to do with this? I'm not going to throw this away. We could use it somehow. And that's how the toys came to life, right? That's why we actually fill it up with the pieces, you know. So it's very, very sustainable, and everything. That, very eco-friendly that, that, production. That's an too. awesome story yeah. right there, you know, how, <laughs> yeah. how we There's came no up garbage, with this toy. Pretty much. Mm -hmm. it, a part of yeah. it went into pants, and what was left, we... We made this. Use it yeah. for the toy, yeah. yeah. Like, we're small enough, and it gives us certain versatility, right? I do a lot of bespoke services, and, and we do a lot of bespoke uh, items. And I, for instance, I do, I love doing illustration and uh, we can customize, you know, put names on something, print on from bed pillow to T-shirts, everything. But we have eco-friendly uh, uh, printing colors. And that's, again, limitation is you can't print on dark colors. It's just light colors, yeah. right? Because for dark colors, you need that white surface, like a little rubber surface that you can put then the colors on, as you probably understand if you know anything about the printing techniques. Um, 
and and yeah like there's a lot of like very personalization and also the whole experience with us is like basically like friends you know you can call me you can email me facebook me instagram me anything you want and we you tell me oh you know what i need this and this and this i can't find it on your website but maybe you can make something for me like that and we do a lot of totally new new things or uh, clients influence like they they love something that we have on the website and they tell me oh can you make me this like in this color and can this detail be like this and we're open to that because we can't do this right because we're small and versatile i mean if i would have like a big company that wouldn't be uh, possible but with us it's very personalized very bespoke very uh respectful of uh, uh and, and some people don't understand this because it's so hard to find today companies like that mm-hmm. or like brands like us uh this is also another element right that i wanted to mention but i always forget like of course we're like because we're small we're versatile we can do anything you want <laughs> you know so that's that's the way the business currently operates and i think that's that's the way that consumers expect most brands to operate right now personally they they don't want to interact yeah. with with the brand they want to interact with the person but let's say ideally where do you want to take this in the next five years? Where where do you want BZ Echo Design to be in in five years? How do you want the company to to operate? Well, uh, my company is. I love still doing technical stuff, right? I still love web designing. I still love print design, branding, and so on. So this is like completely something else. But regarding the brand BZ Equaland, which is focused on this clothing and and items for the home and pets and you know and babies and women and men, like this, this honestly, like I want to redo the website because I did the website eight years ago by myself. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but like like I told you, I do everything. And I want to redesign it. I wish I could change the brand completely, but I can't because of like how people, people that are our old clients, right, would be all confused. I was actually thinking, okay, if somebody types in busyecoland.com or busyecokid.com, right, that our stuff would still come up, but it would be a new name, a new logo, a new everything. But I need to think a, a little bit about that, you know, um, uh, regarding website, because it's so old, I have to add like search engine, then the, you know, CEO, like for instance, um, you know, Google doesn't find us anymore before, like when you were typing in organic ethical clothing or something, we were like right there on top with 10 other companies because i had like really i've done it really good but now because it's so saturated the market you know and a lot of people a lot of companies pay a lot of money to be on top like now we're like kind of lost in the in the sea of similar companies or you know partially similar companies so i have to do that first uh rethink the branding and redo the website that's one thing another thing is um I want to try and again uh, go around uh, German stores and German market and try and do again the same thing that I did before and was unsuccessful and um, advertise, you know, like I did so far. Um, I don't have big ambitions. I hope that people who really want something like that will find us. on their own because with google search and so on it's like kind of like 
you know, people can find you, right? If they look for all these elements, they will find you. And there's a lot of like stuff about us online. So, uh, you know, like hopefully I can find a partner. Uh, I would need somebody who can take care of the financial stuff. So I don't have to do that as well. Um, or like just a friend, you know, somebody who would take this, like I told you, like for a hobby. Um, so far, I'll just keep on doing what I'm doing. And, you know, it's it's working. It's working. You know, it is, these women do live off of that. And they're passionate about it and they love doing it. And I love doing it. So we'll keep on doing what it's doing until somebody maybe notices us even well, and it, decides to invest or I, something. <laughs> I think there are people out there who who mm. would be a great fit for you. I think there are, well, there are more and more people like that out there every day. So I, I, I hope so. <laughs> I, I think you keep on doing what you're doing. You will get there. But um, mm -hmm. and. And I'm stubborn, trust me, and workaholic, so, you know. It's not the right mix, <laughs> definitely. <Yeah. laughs> but, you know, I, I also know there are people out there listening to this right now who are wondering how they can get your stuff. And you ship worldwide from your online shop, yes, right? exactly, so exactly. Sadly, shipping is a little bit higher, right, when you... But uh, we do have two, or two, three clients in New Zealand and about uh, who are with us for a while now. And about maybe 20 in Australia. So it's it's not a problem. I mean, it takes about, it, it depends on like, you know, like with the shipping, it's about two weeks to three weeks. Which Sometimes kind of we get standard. lucky. Yeah. Yeah, it's not that bad. It's not that bad, you know, but people who want something like that, they're okay with waiting. But most people are very, you know, instant. Give me now. So this doesn't work, right, for for a company like ours. Because we do, we make as you order more most things. And also based on your measurements, you can tell me your measurements. So it takes a little bit more time. Uh, normally three to five days, we do everything. You know, the more complex things like coats and stuff like that. It's five days, but like underwear and T-shirts, dresses like that are not so complicated. Three days, no problem. Uh, printing is a little bit additional time, right? Especially if you want your name and some kind of message or some kind of symbol, something that I have to create unique just for that person. Um, you know, that's that takes a little bit more time. But in general, I'm telling you, like, if you order something from us, you will get it probably to New Zealand in two, three weeks. Um, that That's what so far I have experienced. Uh, America is a little bit faster for some reason. It is. Uh, um, New Zealand is probably the yeah. slowest destination you can imagine. Like we've had. OK, <laughs> I've, I've had a package. Okay. I've had a package from Canada take three times the quoted time oh it was okay. like two two months to to get from toronto to to where we are so yeah they're, they're, madonna that's, that's not cool I no mean, that, that's not you know, cool at all that was a little bit bad luck as well right P possibly Probably, you know but anyway what i really wanted to ask you right now to close if someone wants you to make them something whether it's a mm -hmm. coat or shirt or you know underwear where can they mm -hmm. go to find you what, what, what's your website what's your social media profiles where can they follow oh, you oh yes yes bz eco kid bz so that's eco kid 
B B double E Z double E kid, right? Yeah. Well, eco kid. Yes, like ecological child. Yeah. Right. That's the whole thing. That's on Facebook. I haven't changed it yet because I thought, okay, I'm not. And then the same on Instagram. You just Instagram.com slash busy eco kid. Uh, same Facebook. Uh, I'm not really, I'm not active on Twitter. I have to admit, I just never got into Twitter. But you can find us on Pinterest. Uh, very nice collection. Like on Pinterest, you can actually see um how I think and who I am in many ways, because I have, you know, everything about veganism, everything about sustainable fashion, uh, everything who I am. I really like Pinterest, but it's more like a collection, like an album that you're creating. So over there you can find also, I am just very, I just say to people, don't be shy, contact me on Facebook, find me by my name, Bianca Zwartz Morris, uh we are based like i mean i'm i'm living in dusseldorf officially uh so you can just put in my name bianca morris dusseldorf and you will find me everywhere you know it's it's like i'm very out there and then you find the picture and you will definitely see immediately what i'm posting and you will know oh that's her (laughs) you know that's that's her right um and our facebook facebook page I'm very active on it. I post something every couple of days at least, uh, sometimes even every day. Um, right now, like I'm adding a couple of pieces for a fall winter. They're fabulous and I got to say a little bit sexy for females. Um, also a little bit for the kids. We added like a very successful. I got like Etsy voted as uh, one of the best products on Etsy uh, Germany and UK. Oh, so you're on Our Etsy as bed. well. Yes, on Etsy, exactly. Yeah, I totally forgot that. I always forget that. But I have a couple of things over there, you know, because people normally go on our website directly. But on uh, Etsy gave us, like, really good, like, uh, presentation in their catalog uh, of our shark bed. I don't know if you've seen. It's, like, basically baby carrying bed that looks like shark. I did see it. That's hilarious, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was really, it was really a boom. It was very, because I thought like, okay, something fun, something, you know, like animals eating children. That's wild, <laughs> you know, and, and it's interesting. There's another company that has uh, something like that and they develop, it's so funny. They develop a whole line of products out of that. But we have, we added now only the beluga, beluga whale because it's white and I wanted to make something that is more for little girls, mm-hmm. you know. So you put a little girl inside and has like little uh, little decor on her head and she's happier, you know. So it's not like more like shark is more for the boys and yeah, then yeah, yeah. the whale Sharks is more for, for little for boys girls. and whales for girls. <laughs> exactly. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Bianca, yeah. Oh, it was really so great to be talking to you about oh, this. Thank so. you. No, thank Feel you. Feel the same way. Thank you again for uh, for joining me. Thank you for sharing your thank story you. and all that you do. And um, oh. yeah, I I really really want to see what happens with with your company in in the next couple of years because I think you are poised to to make it a lot bigger. Thank you, thank you. Like I'm I'm really you you gave me really I'm I'm very happy that you you know, we can talk about it because to be honest to you, I'm sometimes like I catch myself like procrastinating and like kind of thinking too much about things instead of like doing it. I feel, you know, when you have like this 
a little bit of like you're scared of success <laughs> and being overwhelmed with action. I'm like in that phase right now, you know, and I'm knowing myself like I do want to make a big difference, but I want to find a right way to find big difference. And this is very important to me that that somebody's not going to suffer on expense of me getting it bigger, you know. So that's that's a challenge and I hope I can overcome that and find a way. Um and thank you so much. I appreciate it for being vegan. All of you out there, I know it gets hard sometimes, you know. Let's do it for the animals and the planet and for the future of humanity. I say, when they say vegans care more about animals than people, I say this is like the biggest lie ever. We actually care about the people. You know, we want to see humanity existing in the next 500 years, not self-destructing. And it's by far one of the biggest social revolutions that it's happening ever in the history of humanity even i think you know it's really important that we sort this out not just for humanity but for our planet for wildlife for deforest against deforestation for preserving water so all right i'm i'm ranting over here no, but no, it, thank it, it you. was a beautiful rant Have so a good <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you it was a perfect closure hey thanks so Take much care, guys bye-bye bye-bye Okay, this is the end of episode three of the Plan-Based Entrepreneur Show. Thanks for tuning in. And if you want to check out any of the sites that we talked about, or if you want to get more information on Bianca and her brand, you can find the show notes at theplantbasedentrepreneur.com slash show slash episode 003. Now, I got a couple emails this past week from people asking how they can subscribe to the show. Since we just launched it, we're not on iTunes yet. Sorry about that. But if you visit the site, you'll find a form on the homepage where you can leave your details and you'll get the episodes delivered straight to your inbox every Wednesday. And of course, if you have any other comments about the show or if you want to recommend a plant-based entrepreneur that I should absolutely talk to, contact me directly on jerry at theplantbasedentrepreneur.com. So that's it for today. I'll talk to you next week. And until then... Keep on building a plan-based future.